started to see now, especially over the last nine months, is that people are now become dependent on our service to pay for you know food. And I'll give you a, a quick example. We even had one person during COVID who was trapped overseas. His wife was in the hospital delivering their baby and he used our service with Bitcoin to convert to a gift card, an Amazon gift card, so that she could get it, get the supplies that she needed delivered to the hospital because she didn't have anybody, including her husband, to be able to help her out. And I think that those are the, the, it is, it blew us away because those are the things that you realize can be achieved by now having a more open, more efficient, accessible system and giving people I totally agree. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic real world story. What is going on, everybody? Hope all is going well. This is Sam Connor, and uh, I'm just really happy that uh, you guys have joined us today. I've got Eric uh, with Badali, co-founder, CEO, in the building with us. And uh, my goodness, it is just going to be one of those days on this meme token day, we're going to talk about some real world use case. Um, you know, Bedali is uh, really an incredible app and it is live. I, I absolutely uh, think that you guys should check this thing out. Um, it's available on the App Store and man, Amazon, Banana Republic, PlayStation brands, everybody's using this. And as you can see in the clip that uh, we started off with, um, you know, he's really bringing a unique way of leveraging this technology to bring some real world use case. And with, uh, with that, I uh, happily bring to the show, Eric. Eric, man, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining the show. I'm good, Sam. Thanks for having me, dude. This man, is great. I was is, enjoying uh... the intro music, man, vibing. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really enjoy it as well, man. I, I, I hope everybody listening around the globe, uh, you know, enjoys the, the fun that I like to have to, to kick things off. Um, shout out to everybody. What I love is, I mean, we got people from all over the globe watching. Thank you, Brian, for checking in. Um, Eric, let's start off and, and please share a little bit of history um, uh, about your background with the audience. Sure. Yeah. So based up in Canada, um, Kind of got uh, my backgrounds in computer science, kind of been in the startup ecosystem for a while. I was uh, contributing to open source kind of pre-GitHub days, so I'm kind of dating myself a little bit, but uh, trying to keep baby face together. See, <laughs> kids kids are kids are aging me. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, got into the space, I would say really back, maybe a bit more seriously in 2015, definitely more seriously in 2017. Uh, and we started Bedali in 2018, kind of early 2018. Um, but we, you know, I had been doing my computer science degree, heard about the Bitcoin white paper, thought it was interesting, didn't really take it too seriously, you know, because my classic reaction was, who's going to use these Bitcoins, right? Like cool computer science concept, but who's going to use these Bitcoins? And then um, fast forward a couple of years, heard about, um, you know, the famous pizza purchase. I was like, yes. oh, okay. Somebody actually bought something for real with this. This is interesting. And then fast forward, what really got me was um, in 2015, so myself and a couple of my other co-founders, we built a fairly popular web development framework, open source, uh, Node.js, JavaScript based called Feathers.js and used by about 20, 25,000 devs around the world uh, at startups to Fortune 100s. And we kind of we we're doing consulting and looking to hire people and obviously people familiar with the tech. And so we found great people all over the world, Nigeria, Venezuela, Argentina, uh, Iran, Ukraine, like literally everywhere. And we wanted to hire these people, obviously, uh, but we had problems paying them. And a lot of those countries, it's not easy to pay them. And this was kind of around the same time that I really, you know, heard a bit more about what was happening on the Silk Road, the amount of transaction volume in Bitcoin and that, you know, inherently it was going, wow, this fulfilled its prophecy. You know, you've got people that don't trust each other buying and selling, you know, 
in this case, mainly narcotics, but like buying and selling drugs <laughs> online. So they're selling yeah. physical things all over the world. These people inherently don't trust each other. Right. And this is being used <laughs> as, as a payment method. I'm like, this has fulfilled its prophecy of digital internet money. Like it, it fulfilled yeah. the white papers uh, proof. And I went, you know, I think we've seen through technology adoption, it always happens typically by criminals or fringe area first uh, nerds. And I can kind of say that because I, I would consider myself one, um, <laughs> you know, and then and then it, then you go through an adoption curve, an adoption cycle, right, where you start to hit, you know, mainstream and then laggards on the tail end. And, you know, I think we're still very early in that cycle. We're probably heading more towards the mainstream uh, portion of the bell curve. But at that time in 2015, it was still super early. And if you look at things like cell phones and the internet and email, um, all that stuff was adopted by people operating on the fringe or gray area first, and then reaching more mainstream adoption as it kind of got proven out. And that's the way I see things uh, in technology in general, but uh, digital currency or cryptocurrency in particular. Um, and so that, you know, we went down that rabbit hole, learning a bit more. We tried to pay people in Bitcoin, had a bunch of challenges there around, you know, at that time it was relatively cheap still to transact. So that wasn't really the, the issue, but it was more around the volatility and lack of the ability to actually spend on, you know, once somebody received the Bitcoin on their side, their first question was like, okay, well, how do I pay for food and gas and, right. you know, groceries and uh, medicine and all that sort of stuff. And so, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, we kind of abandoned that idea. We said, okay, we found a couple of different ways to try and pay people. Some people we just couldn't pay uh, through keeping in contact with people in Venezuela and other, other places we got familiar with. Um, we got exposed to the challenges that people have in those countries in terms of lack of trust in government or institutions, lack of U.S. dollar liquidity that prevents them from doing business, lack of capital access, or even just banking as a whole. So they can't, you know, really, I think all over the world right now, we have a lot of have countries, and I'm fortunate to have been born in one, be very lucky that way, you know, in Canada, where we've got, you know, relatively stable banking, good trust in government overall, you know, um, I've never been exposed to those problems, never went through inflation or hyperinflation. Um, and then you have a bunch of other countries where that's not the case, right? Where people don't have the ability to access this stuff. And, you know, I think that's wrong. I think it's digital banking now should be a fundamental human right, because without it, you're, you can't do uh, anything on the global scale and you certainly can't compete. So that's where we're coming from is that, you know, really trying to push real world adoption, um, knowing that the speculative use cases are really important to creating a vibrant ecosystem that enables the liquidity that enables this technology to flourish and to grow and be experimented with. But ultimately our focus is to try and as cliche as it sounds to democratize financial access and in, and Man. truly enable anybody to um to build and control their own wealth because i think the one thing that we've recognized over the years is that blockchain networks are really good at efficient value transfer mm -hmm. and you know reducing costs associated with that what we're seeing is this internet of value emerging and where this really has the potential, particularly in countries where they don't have this trust or don't have this financial access or infrastructure, is not only can it open up your ability to access, uh, you know, financial services, but you, you can now leapfrog going from your local economy to a global one. And you now have the option to choose how much you want to trust another counterparty. Like, do you want to be fully self-custodial? Do you want to put your trust fully in somebody else? do you want to sit somewhere in the middle we have the ability to now do that whereas in our existing you know digital financial infrastructure even in canada we don't have that choice like if 
if for some reason a bank goes under or you know a bank cuts you off you is really hard you can't operate in right, today's world right right so you were originally starting to pay you, you mentioned you were trying to pay your employees and the the issues that you had um with doing so uh through bitcoin right um so at what point was stellar brought to your attention how, how did you discover stellar i think i found it in 2015 2016 like i was a uh recipient of one of the first airdrops actually um way way back wait, wait. so the airdrop that... actually worked <laughs> it brought you to yeah the yeah <laughs> yeah i, cool, I would cool, say cool. i that was more out of curiosity um just and i held it for a while because i wasn't really you couldn't really do anything with it at the time actually you know other than kind of send it to each other for fun um okay. so you know i think Basically, in 2015, once I just, you know, kind of saw, had this light bulb moment or aha moment where this peer-to-peer digital cash is real, it's going to happen. Bitcoin may or may not be the solution. I think at the time, you know, and I still kind of believe this, that Bitcoin, I come from oil and gas country. So, like, to me, the parallel between a commodity like oil and Bitcoin and, and mining and Ethereum was very strong. And so I always mm-hmm. kind of looked at Bitcoin as a as a kind of a bearer asset or something similar to gold or oil in that respect. And so, you know, even just the mechanics, like if you understand if this gets network adoption, you're going to end up paying a lot in fees, like how much, you know, it's easy to say this in hindsight now too, because we've seen it happen. But our my perspective was that this technology uh, one we need to solve the problems around where you can actually spend you know spend it and pay for real goods and services especially in a cost effective way like that's the important piece is like you've been able to spend bitcoin for forever but because it's been treated as a speculative asset there's only a small percentage of people that really want to do it um and then the second piece, I think, is it's just not cost effective unless you're dealing with large, you know, especially with the network fees now. But it's not that cost effective if you're wanting to buy a cup of coffee or, uh, you know, pay a small a small bill, like pay for your regular day to day day to day payments. And so we thought, you know, there are three problems with the space or with the ability to pay for goods and services using this. You need to have the ability to pay or spend at places you care about in a cost-effective way. The user experience needs to be easy, so people shouldn't have to worry about losing their funds if they lose their private keys and like all these different things. Um, even in, down to like setting the fee price to make sure the transaction gets confirmed in time, like all that sort of stuff should just be kind of taken care of in a smart way. Um, and then the volatility, um, I think, was a big one. You know, we, we did a bunch of research, too, in emerging markets, uh, and in this case, in Venezuela and Argentina, where they're going through hyperinflation. And we were asking people, you know, why do you hold cryptocurrency? If not, why? You know, what are you looking for? And the major reasons were volatility. A lot of these people are looking for stability, not mm-hmm. extreme volatility. And then the other thing is some of these people don't even have the extra uh, money to be able to move their wealth into crypto, right? Mm. Like a lot of people are living around the world are living, you know, what we call hand to mouth, right? So you earn and you spend the amount that you earn in a given day or maybe every two days, right? So you're not building up savings. And part of the reason you're not building up savings is you're not earning enough income because you're localized to your own market. So you don't have global access. You can't outsource your, uh, your skills. And the other part is because of the cost of doing um, doing financial transactions in a lot of these countries is really hard, right? It's expensive. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, you, it's, and it's you, such a great point that you that you that you bring up, Eric. Um, is you know so often when I hear Bitcoin, um, you know, and uh, being discussed, it's always talked about how developing countries, you know, rely on it and how they need it. Um, and they make it seem, you know, you hear about these missions in, in, in parts of Africa as well, where, you know, they're, they're really touting and pushing Bitcoin. But, um, but as you mentioned, you know, where they're trying to go, 
uh, people are, you know, those fees and, and the, the difficulties of going in and out and actually using it is extremely high. So, um, yeah, great point that you're yeah. making. You know, great point that you're and making. And they are getting adoption. I mean, it's not to say that it's not happening because it is. Right. But the, the you know, we look at is these are early adopters, right? What's what is going to bring in the mainstream of this curve, right? And the mainstream is solving for those three problems. So bring it back to you know how we discovered Stellar and where that kind of fits into the vision and what we're working on. I think we saw pretty early what was happening with Ethereum and and you know stable coins, that concept of stable coins. And so I said, oh man, this could solve that problem around volatility, mm-hmm. because for better or worse, you know everybody, most people around the world still want the the greenback, they want the US dollar, right? right. Because it has this, uh, it's the gro- global reserve currency, but it has this um, perceived stability, especially when you compare it to um, to the Venezuelan Bolivares or, uh, you know, the Argentine peso or Nigerian Naira, you know, this is where the majority of commerce is still kind of happening where people covet the US dollars. So our thinking was that, okay, if you can have US dollars on faster, low cost payment rails that are secure and now enable you to have the option to custody your own funds or leave it with somebody else and reduce fees, like all of these things kind of coming together. If you can actually pay for real goods and services with that technology, this now becomes a viable monetary medium for a lot of people around the world. And it can have a huge impact because now they go from having no banking or localized banking to now anybody with a smartphone can have a multi-currency offshore bank account, essentially, which has <laughs> been reserved for the ultra wealthy, right? Like even right. it's hard for me to get one as a Canadian citizen to get an offshore bank account, right? Like you need to have a certain amount of net worth and like all these sorts of things, right? And now anybody with the internet connected device can do this, which is yeah. crazy. crazy. I don't think people recognize how, how big a shift this is going to be in terms of, um, lifting people out of poverty, you know, and, and global access and efficiency and, and so on. And we're still at the early stages of that. I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that still need to happen. You know, even when we've talked with with governments in Africa, for example, um, like Niger, I'll give an example. I was speaking with uh, one of the ministers there last year. And a challenge that they have is like, first, they need to lay the infrastructure, the Internet infrastructure. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are basic needs that kind of need to be met, food, water, uh, Internet like some of these public <laughs> services. I mean, wait, and wait, then isn't you that, can start isn't to that do crazy that. though that we're at that point now where you just said food, water, internet? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, what, it's you're a absolutely right. Once again, it's a necessity. It's a necessity. Um, you know, when talking about the currencies, you know, um, but Dolly, you know, when you go to the you go to the app, it it uh, it shows gift cards. So, explain why why gift cards. And, and I showed a clip, sure. you know, yeah. I don't know if you saw the clip where at Meridian 2019, uh, this is actually what, what, what got me attracted to Badali was, was that panel. Uh, and for everyone listening, you can go to, um, I want to say it's meridian.stellar.org. You can catch all of yeah, the, so. um, yeah, all of the, uh, the videos, um, from Meridian, but, uh, this one really struck me because, you know, you talk about a, a, uh, a, a gentleman trying to get money to his pregnant wife and, you know, anybody, I, I got two kids. So, you know, the pregnancy is a crazy, crazy, hectic, stressful time. And on top of that, you're trying yeah. to get money uh, to your wife who's in labor. And, uh, you know, there's no time to go to Western Union. There's no time to go all these places. How do you get money? And uh, he logged on to your platform and and did it. And so, you know, I'm a believer of why you use gift cards. But if you can explain to the audience uh, the gift card uh, route that you guys took. Yeah, sure. So, you know, bringing it back to the problem to be solved around 
you know, how do people pay for goods and services? So back in 2018, 2017, and before, there are people who've, who've made attempts at, you know, payment processing and things like that. But the problem is, is that, you know, usually these are accepted at, at small mom and pop shops or, um, you know, you can only really buy swag like hats, T-shirts or really high end items that are typically OTC and broker deals like a yacht, a car, a house, <laughs> you know, an island, maybe. Um, so I think. You know, we really looked at it and said, okay, well, for the, the majority of people, neither of these options are really what they're looking for. If you need to pay for real goods and services like food, medicine, groceries, you know, peer-to-peer payments already solves kind of the rent uh, scenario, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have something like Cash App or Venmo, you could you can Cash App somebody. Uh, we don't have something like that in Canada, so it's a little bit of a trying to serve our own need. You know, it would be nice to have a Venmo ask in Canada and, and elsewhere. Um, U.S. is pretty fortunate in that way. But I think like we also looked at, you know, well, what are the other things that need, people need to pay for? It's, you know, mm-hmm. food, gas, clothing, medicine, like all of that stuff. And I think that was the, um, that was the thing that we, sorry, just one sec. I want to make sure this camera doesn't die on me. Um, that was the thing that we looked at in terms of how do we actually support that method for people to buy goods and services at normal places. And we certainly as a startup couldn't go to Amazon and be like, Hey, Amazon, will you use our platform to accept Bitcoin? They'd be like, no, go away. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we initially thought about doing a drop shipping store actually, but then we were like, Oh, we got to curate product and all this stuff. And we actually thought that gift cards are probably the next best thing. Um, we happen to know somebody in the space and then uh, kind of continued from there. And so it just kind of snowballed. I think now we're at uh, over 3000 brands across 150 countries. It started off with just us uh, only uh, Canada only. And we kind of expanded out from there. We learned a lot about the space, learned about some of the challenges with fraud and money laundering there and, and how uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency could actually solve a bunch of those problems. Um, we uh people can now buy mobile airtime in a bunch of countries as well and working on bill payments and other solutions i mean really we're just trying to cover where people can can pay for their goods and services as efficiently as possible and gift cards while it's kind of the stepping stone instead of you know if somebody's going to spend anyways instead of going from a crypto wallet or an exchange to your bank account to credit card to amazon we enable you to go directly from wallet to gift card to amazon for example and then we've got now we're working on some of the stuff in Bermuda where we can actually go directly from wallet to merchant. Wow. 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 And and it's like also some sort of like a cash back, you know, or incentive as well. So, you know, because I'm seeing you can start saving, you know, essentially by using by using the app. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that aspect of it? Yeah. So, I mean, essentially what we've done is because we've been able to negotiate discounts with brands, um, we kind of act like an affiliate. We're able to do a rev share model with the customers. So we basically give you to make a purchase. And so I think that, um, you know, that is a pretty important way of incentivizing people to use the platform, keep them within the platform and, and frankly, help people save money, like try and realize this vision of, of making things more cost effective. Wow. 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 So, you know, um, there was something that also that you talked about, um, was, uh, branded currencies. You had mentioned that in the past. Um, can you share a little bit of, I guess, what that concept, what, what you meant by that, you know, kind of, kind of talking about, you know, um, you know, working with these brands and these companies, what, what, what was your, your intention on that? Yeah. So, um, I mean, we basically think that branded currency, and, and this has been a term that's used in the gift card space for quite a while, actually, but that digital gift cards are essentially branded currency. I mean, what, what's, what's an Amazon gift card worth? 
I mean, $20 at Amazon is basically worth 20 bucks in cash. I mean, the amount that you can buy at Amazon or Walmart, for example, the amount of things you can purchase, um, you know, it's just as good as cash, essentially. Uh, So, but like I kind of hinted at before, one of the challenges in the gift card space is there's a lot of uh, fraud, right? Because these systems are pretty old, they're archaic. The way the system works is a lot of people resell gift cards to each other and they're through all these siloed databases. And so the brands themselves, like once it, it's very similar to a central bank, actually, once the brand kind of issues credit, uh, just like a central bank goes to the commercial banks, um, they lose visibility into where that credit actually goes until it kind of reaches them again. Right. So there's a huge data gap in terms of where stuff moves. And that's where the fraud opportunities arrive, right? So either selling on a secondary market, somebody sells a gift card for like, you know, I'm getting rid of this Amazon gift card for 90 bucks for a hundred dollar gift card. And then it turns out they ended up already spending it. You know, there's all those challenges. We've, you know, I think Ray at Paxful has actually uh, talked a lot about this too, where a bunch of the fraud challenges they've had with, with gift cards. And at the end of the day, when we saw this technology emerging, we're like, what's the difference between uh, a stable coin even and branded currency and like a a digital gift card? Not much. I mean, there's a few mechanics to it, but arguably it's actually better because not only can we actually have verifiable uh, transactions and traceability, Mm -hmm. we can remove fraud because the whole table stakes for any blockchain network now or distributed ledger is removing that whole double spend problem that Bitcoin solved. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's huge cost savings to brands. And on top of that, there's really interesting things you can start to do once this is in a more program it programmatable programmatic, sorry, and mm-hmm. uh, secure format in that you can actually do you could start to go into real-time payroll. You could start to go into more efficient cross-border trade finance. You can, I mean, where we see this going in the long term, whether we do it or not, is that you're going to have brands issuing their own cryptocurrency for sure. And (laughs) you're going to have, this may end up showing up on a DEX, on a decentralized exchange, where you can literally just swap, swap, you know, Amazon coin for Walmart coin, essentially, and whenever you need it. And people, wow. you know, we could see a world where people get paid, employees at Walmart get paid in Walmart coin, um, and then can go and spend that at a bunch of other retailers because of the verifiability. So I think, you know, we're still a ways out from that, but, and in some ways that may be a little bit of a scary concept actually, because maybe you don't want a brand to have that much control. Um, but I think there are massive gains to both employees, uh, customers and brands themselves where just making this model a bit more direct to consumer and direct, you know, peer to peer really is going to have massive efficiency gains. Um, even from an employee perspective, like I've got a buddy who helps run a company that, um, that kind of smooths out payday lending essentially. I mean, so instead of somebody spending like, you know, 400%, whatever on payday lending uh, to get a cash advance, these guys will help them out at like 10%. And I'm going, we, you could, you could make that zero. (laughs) Right. 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 And imagine what that would do to somebody's, somebody's life. Right. Huge. It's huge. huge. So I think this is where we see that stuff going. Well, I was going to say, let's talk about some of these, you know, major moves that that uh, Badali has been in the, the media for recently. Uh, last year, February, um, through a partnership with Canada Stable Corp, it was announced that there was a new Canadian dollar backed stable coin being launched, uh, the QCAD. And payment and settlement uh, integration was going to be available through Badali as well as Gilded Finance. So can you talk a little bit about that partnership? How did that uh, come across? Yeah, so you know we know the people from StableCorp uh, reasonably well. I mean, I think basically when was this? This was 2019, early 2020. Um, so I mean, we see stable coins coming up. 
uh, US dollar is the predominant one, some in Euro and, and my pitch to a bunch of people in the Canadian ecosystem was, look, we should have a Canadian dollar one. Um, mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people or a lot of countries, I mean, I think this is where we see things going. Eventually a bunch of countries are going to be issuing their own CDBCs. Bank of Canada has been working on research around this for about a decade. They're still sitting there hesitantly kind of waiting on the side to see what happens. Whereas you have other countries like China and South Korea that are rolling them out. Um, right. You know, China most notably, I think rolling it out for real, <laughs> not just in a prototype <laughs> phase, but like, like it's happening. This isn't, this isn't fictitious anymore. So I think right. um, we saw that as, as potentially an alternative for industry to kind of innovate and help, uh, help push that stuff forward. I think the challenge with most, so they originally launched on Ethereum. I think they, uh, as far as I know, they may be looking at other ledgers. Uh, we were definitely pushing them towards Stellar and saying, you know, get why you would launch on Ethereum first. ERC-20s are kind of the standard, easier to integrate mm -hmm. for people. Um, but then you really want to get on fast, low cost uh, transaction rails like Stellar, right. uh, because I think for us, for the payments use case, that's where it really makes sense. I mean, Ethereum gas fees just are, are pretty pretty uh, prohibitive right now. And <laughs> yeah, and you know, so to put it in context for people, I'm sure the audience is familiar, but you know, we see transactions anywhere from, let's say $5 on, worth of ETH on the low end. Um, we've seen stuff as high as like the bucks where people have paid network fees of $50 to do wow. a transaction. And you're like, this doesn't make any sense. And honestly, I don't even know why people use our service because in that regard, because it just doesn't make sense. I mean, we know right. who's using it and why they're using it. It's because they kind of have to, and we're one of the few options out there. And there's nothing we can do about these fees, but this is why we put a real emphasis on fast, low cost, uh, network. So it's why we added USDC on Stellar from day one. We quietly announced, nice. didn't announce it yet. So I guess you kind of get a bit of an exclusive. Hey, but announcement, like... announcement, announcement. Hold on, hold on. There we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, USDC so, I mean, you know, we've got, yeah, yeah. We saw transactions, you know, within the first day it went live. So I think the biggest challenge, you know, to QCAD and to some of these other stable coins has always been, how do people get easy access to that? And our approach is, you know, there there's two ways to do it. One is people purchase these assets uh, directly. Um, usually people are coming in through a speculative nature, which means they're not really in the mindset to spend it either, right? Mm -hmm. So the better approach is actually if people are earning this, like mm -hmm. earning crypto. And that's where a lot of our users come from. But what if you're earning in like USDC on Stellar, for example? Absolutely. You're basically getting paid U.S. dollars and now have programmatic money that can move at the speed of the Internet for less than a penny. And I think that's really important. And that's what we're trying to support. And even with the um, mechanism within our mobile app, you know, at the end of the day, these are actually stellar assets under the hood right now that people get uh, redistributed back as cashback. So wow. we're kind of straddling this line between like a point system and a cashback mechanism from a regulatory mm -hmm. standpoint, but trying to open up that door so that people are actually earning, um, earning value on more efficient payment rails that then they can start to move around and use. And they're doing it without even knowing it. So we don't openly tout that you're earning crypto, but that's kind of what's happening. Well, and, and I think that's just, just the amazing thing about Stellar is that it allows for this. You know, if I if I go to your if I go to your app, it's smooth. I've downloaded it myself, and it's just amazing how you're able to go through everything. And like you said, without having to know, um, you know, having to know you're using blockchain. Um, on that topic, you know, one thing I was curious, and you're using the app, is that it's built on Stellar. But um, I'm noticing I'm not having to, like, remember, like, seek private keys and, and what. How do you guys, you know, handle that barrier? Yeah. So right now, um, our approach, so bringing it back kind of longer term, is, like, we think that right now we're in the stage in the market where you need to straddle line between being decentralized and centralized. 
because mm -hmm. you just can't provide the user experience without being somewhat centralized right now and the cost of efficiencies. Right. Unfortunately, you know, we've seen a lot of groups jump to day one decentralization, and this is where they run into to barriers is that it's just not cost effective. Right. And so this is why I think the, the speculative side of things is, has been the dominant player in the space so far. Now, uh, with that in mind, our approach has been, okay, how do we make it so people don't need to know about blockchain and crypto and still realize these benefits? So what we do is the wallet is actually custodial, but it's a bit of a hybrid because at the end of the day, you're still buying gift cards, which are centralized. So mm -hmm. it kind of doesn't matter if you have your private key, but we laid out the infrastructure such that we kind of get to tap the best of both worlds right now where it's hybrid. It's, and so what that means in plain language is that you have your own private key on the mobile device. What we do is we do what we call onion encryption. So we encrypt it on the device with multiple factors and then re-encrypt it on our side in kind of a multi-signature type structure so that it acts as a backup. So you can recover your key in case you lose your phone or whatever. As long as you remember a pin code and have access to your email, you can recover your key. While at the same time, nobody inside our organization, or even if we got hacked, it's very low likelihood that somebody would be able to do anything with your private key. And there just isn't really much of an incentive either because the amount of funds that people would have uh, at this stage is quite low. So, we have a mech that's it's essentially like a private key backup mechanism is what we yeah. enable right now now we will enable the ability for people to choose coming back to that option or what i discussed before around the importance of crypto and being able to choose how much custody you want right. um we want to give people the ability to back up their own private key themselves and then we wouldn't even store it or give them the option like do you want us to store store it for you and you store it the challenge, the reason why we didn't go uh, to that from day one was a making it easier for people to use the technology without needing to know about the mechanics of blockchain tech. But then b, um, there's actually some security risk there. You could argue that somebody's maybe more likely to lose their private key or have it stolen than our system being compromised, which is like heavily gated and monitored and has double encryption and very few people have access to the ability to even get access to the database inside our org and all of these things, right? So the right, attack vectors right. are actually uh, a lot smaller as opposed to just accidentally writing it down and then leaving it somewhere. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the approach that we took uh, so far and kind of how it fits okay. in. Um, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. I know that, especially with all these new people coming into into crypto, I've seen on Twitter a, a couple of times where people have have tweeted that they've lost funds, they've lost cryptos because they're brand new, and you know they you know miswrote down yeah, the secret key or something simple like that. Um, but uh, kind of going on with some more announcements. Um, early, earlier this year, it was announced an initiative um, with Goslings in support. Uh, of the with the Bermuda government, and uh, Goslings is um, working with you guys um, as far as uh, rum company looking to accept touchless payment through Stellar, uh, which is pretty exciting. Um, for people not familiar, I mean, you guys might have heard of Bacardi, but Goslings is actually founded older than them. They were founded, I believe, in 1806, and uh, it's pretty neat. I was looking up that their rum distillate it comes from the Barbados, Jamaica, and Trinidad. Shout out to everybody in Trinidad. Um, so what can you share about uh, about this partnership? I, I think that it's, it's really exciting what's going on in Bermuda. Yeah, so uh, the Bermuda government has been extremely progressive. So Premier Burt, um, he's an engineer by background and... You know, I, I think similar to Francis Suarez in Miami, who's been getting a lot of uh, a lot of attention lately in the crypto space in particular, is like mm -hmm. he really understands where the future of this is going. And he's openly said, you know, he want they in Bermuda, they recognize they're a small country, but that they would like to create an environment where 
companies can come and experiment and they want to see uh, companies attempt to help digitize their payments infrastructure. Because in Bermuda, they don't have things like Venmo. Um, they also, because they're a small market, in terms of payment processing technology, they kind of get bucketed into uh, Latin American kind of cohort in terms of fees and, and even uh, payments infrastructure. Um, it's pretty broken there and pretty inefficient. And so, you know, he basically recognized pretty early on that this could actually take things to the next level. We could basically leapfrog some of the stuff that's been happening in other countries and jump right to uh, more open payment rails because he thinks and he agrees with you know me and I think a bunch of other people in the space that open networks ultimately end up winning and if we can create a environment where um, it makes sense from a regulatory perspective but can benefit from private innovation that is likely to move much faster than government and probably produce a better result then uh, they want to create that environment. So we've been working with, uh, with the premier's office of FinTech. So uh, Dennis Pitcher is one of the guys who's been kind of leading the charge over there, um, as well as Marcus. And, you know, we've been basically working with them to, to think through uh, a deployment of digital currency payments infrastructure on open payment network. And right now, the first phase of that was working with with Gosling's kind of uh, to enable people to do digital currency payments uh, in that respect, very similar to the way a Bermuda dollar would look like. Um, I'll caveat and say, you know, this isn't an official Bermuda dollar yet, but that is the path is to hopefully get towards that and work towards that. Um, you know, we've been working very heavily with the Bermuda Monetary Authority who kind of oversees the regulatory side of this. And, and making sure that we manage the risks. Because even as I mentioned in the beginning of this, uh, uh, in the video that you played at the beginning, it's there's a lot of responsibility involved in building out this infrastructure. I mean, it's fun to, to ship stuff and like experiment. But when people start to become dependent on that infrastructure, and especially when you start to move towards a central bank digital currency um, there are levels of, of risk that need to be addressed. And so that's stuff that we've been working through over the last year and continuing to work work towards um, with the government in Bermuda and, and the Bermuda Monetary Authority in the hopes that we can actually roll out a um, official Bermuda dollar nationwide within the next year uh, on more open payment rails. Nice. I mean, this, I mean, this is pretty cool. I mean, here you go. My first digital payment in Bermuda. And, uh, I thought it was really cool. You say, how was it? And he said, super fast and easy. So, I mean, that's, that, that's really exciting. You know, what you guys are, are doing and it's, uh, coming into real world, you know, real world action and, and use case here. Um, so let me ask you this, what's next for Badali as we kind of wrap things up? Um, what what's the outlook for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think I mean right now we're focused on um, on the initiatives in Bermuda. So uh, kind of the next phase there is an expanded pilot, uh, working towards an expanded pilot beyond what we did with just with Goslings. Um, so we intentionally again kind of coming back to managing risk and baby steps and, and making incremental steps that are meaningful. The first step was you know, okay, we have a great, we think that digital currency payments infrastructure is the future, right? Everybody's in belief, premier to a bunch of people on the island, people at the Bermuda Monetary Authority, right? There's lots of potential mm -hmm. here. Okay, how do we actually roll that out? Well, in a, in a risk, you know, uh, in a way that it makes sure that it's not a big risk too, in the case that it fails, because like tech can fail for all sorts of reasons, right? Right. And we want to make sure that it actually solves problems for people. So the first step was enabling people at one, one business in Gosling's in this case. So it's amazing to see Gosling's oldest business uh, yeah. or, or Bermuda's oldest business uh, adopt 18, super cutting edge tech. 1806, man. 1806. That, that, that was shocking how, how, you know, 
how old uh, the, the, that that uh, organization is. And like you said, to yeah, jump on so, to something so brand new as this. <laughs> yeah, so huge, huge shout out to the Gosling's uh, family and team there for making this happen. They helped pull, pull it together on pretty short notice, actually. Um, wow. because with COVID happening, we did it all remote. We weren't sure how it was going to go. Like <laughs> it was, right. it was a little bit, a little bit crazy. Um, but it went pretty well and the feedback was really positive. You know, as always, there's, there's room yeah, for improvement, that. but I mean, we, look at that. He's got, we, uh, got bag. you got a couple bags of goslings right there. Look at that. I'm gonna go buy some. Yeah. So today. that I, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So the idea was, and they are available in the States and Canada I and, saw. and UK in the UK. <laughs> Yeah, you can order online. Nice. It's good nice. stuff. You got to do the old dark and stormy. It's ginger beer and, and Gosling's rum. It's the best. Um, yeah, and, and, and on, a, on, a, yeah. on a separate note, isn't Gos- Gosling's has some ginger like in it in the ingredients, yeah, I believe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They make their own ginger beer too. It's excellent. Ooh, uh, nice. It's probably oh, one I'm of the best sick. around that I've had. Yeah, it's great. Definitely perfect for a nice patio, patio day. Um, nice. All right. So yeah, next next thing is basically expanding that out. Um, so we enabled them to kind of accept it, kind of like a gift card hybrid between a gift card and uh, and uh, I would say like a full blown like central bank digital currency. Um, you know, trying to limit the scope so that there isn't a huge amount of risk, but still have people uh, get the same feedback and have the same experience as if they were paying with a Bermuda dollar and you know, that went really well. So the next step is uh, working with a few more brands on the island, a few more people, um, oversight from the BMA. What we're hoping to do is enabling people to um, load up their wallet balance with their bank account in Bermuda. That would be kind of the next wow. step. Um, really moving towards that Venmo and like tightening the, the integration between traditional financial infrastructure and then and this new stuff. And if that goes well, then you know, there's real appetite, I think, to start to create full circle payments where we can do uh, businesses could, you know, do payroll or could start to remit um, payments for taxes back to the government or licensing fees. And I think that's kind of the game plan that we're hoping to roll out over the next bit in those phases. And, you know, I think we'll get a lot of learnings from it and it'll be, it'll be really important, really important for not only us as a business in Bermuda too, but really important, I think, for the crypto space because this Bermuda is unique in that it doesn't have a central bank. So they don't have the ability to just issue their own currency. And this is part of, there's a bunch of reasons why we looked at Bermuda. Um, everything from them having a better, probably the best, if not you know, tied with Switzerland in terms of uh, the compliance regime and, and regulatory uh, work that they've done at the BMA to create an environment where you can be regulated in Bermuda and do these things without it being incredibly onerous, but also making sure that the risks are managed. And it's not just like the wild west, which is really important for gaining trust in mainstream usage. Right. Right. So I think that that stuff there, but then in combination with the fact that they're U S dollar based, uh, their currency, they don't have a central bank. They're looking to uh, leverage private, you know, uh, private industry to help move some of the stuff forward and, and kind of chart a path towards uh, better digital financial infrastructure. We looked at that as an incredible opportunity to showcase, you know, what can be done. And so right now, you know, that stuff is happening on Stellar. Uh, in particular, I think it's important that it's demonstrated on a public network versus a permissioned one, because, nice. you know, I think for all intents and purposes, this stuff can be managed well on public infrastructure. And that's sort of the whole point of crypto and this decentralized movement is that it adds better reliability because uh, the incentives are aligned in such a way that all the network participants work together to to ensure that the network stays viable and stays um, usable. And that's probably better than having one company control all of the infrastructure. Um, so that's 
those are kind of the next steps. That's the the big push over the next bit. Of course, um, you know, always interested in talking with brands. We'd love to get feedback on the mobile app. Um, we're continuing to add support for additional payment methods in. Um, so ACH in the U.S. will be a big one, um, the, as well as more places to spend. We're continually adding brands to the gift card catalog and now starting to work with a few brands um, directly on branded currency initiatives. So if there's anybody listening that's running a brand or knows of one um, that we should talk to that is interested in kind of the, the future of of uh, gift cards of branded currency. I'd love to chat with them. Um, I mean, you guys are definitely on, on, on track. I mean, it's, I mean, the, the app is, the app is sweet. You've got the experience working in Canada, um, on the stable coin. You, you've got this great initiative going on in Bermuda. Um, and you're just a pleasure to talk to man. You know, I've said it a couple of times, you know, I just love the way that you, you know, you're, you're somebody in the space that brings, a the humanitarian, psychology, eco- economics, worldview, yeah, all into the space, man. And, um, and it's so needed. So um, really want to, you know, thank you for coming to the show. Um, <laughs> round of applause, man. It's been really, really great. I <laughs> uh, oh, want to give a shout out to everybody that's been there. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. the pleasure pleasure's, pleasure's mine. You know, I, I appreciate you for doing all the work that you've been doing in the stellar community. Um, I think that's been badly needed as well. You know, help having somebody help highlight some of the stuff that's happening because the space is moving so fast. It's so hard to keep on top of everything and the yeah. quality of interviews that you've been putting on and the work that Thank you've been you. doing to champion things. I'm hoping that uh, the next time Meridian happens, it'll be in person and we'll get to hang out in person. Absolutely, man. Uh, uh, Gosling's on me, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good, yeah, you, you you hang on real quick, everybody. Um, stay tuned. Um, I'm planning actually in Stellar Global. Um, we're gonna have a how to be an anchor uh, seminar. It's gonna be a nice interview inside Stellar Global. So make sure to be on the lookout for that. Um, and talking about Stellar Global, shout out to Dorian, man. This is happening. We actually have a guy, Dorian, part of our admin team that's part of that lives in Bermuda. And so um, I definitely have to make sure he gets connected out there with you guys. Um, anyhow, oh, yeah, we are, Yeah, absolutely. Hey, everybody at home, everybody around the globe, thanks for tuning in. Eric, hang on tight. <laughs>